Hello and welcome back to the Pilgrims Podcast. Joining myself, Archie, this week is Tom Kirk, Chris Allen, and special guest, Chris Arrington. Yes, welcome back. Chris, we'll come to you. Thank you ever so much for joining us. How are you doing? Very good. Thanks, Archie. Yeah, and very uh, nice of you to invite me. Yeah, looking forward to a, a chat about all things uh, Ryan Lowe, Argyle, and Preston, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. How are you keeping an international break? Is it quiet time for you, or it is a bit, to be honest, because uh, a lot of the people that uh, you you speak to at the club have uh, have sort of gone to ground a bit. They've either gone away. Um, right. Argyle's that sort of club where lots of people uh, are away from family and friends, so this is an ideal opportunity for them to to get back to various different parts of the country and uh, and catch up with people. So yeah, it is it is a bit of a, a strange one. I mean. Argyle were in the championship before and we, we used to have a few sort of international call-offs and things like that. But um, I think we've got four international breaks this season, haven't we? September, October, November and March. So we'll we'll get used to it as we go along and, and hopefully for a few more seasons to come. Yeah, it's been a yeah, yeah, yeah Hopefully this is not the, a one-off. Um, it's been a while, hasn't it, since we've had an international break. I don't know what to do with myself. Like you say, we've had the odd game, which has been postponed, but an actual, you know, marked in the calendar, international break, foreign territory. Two two weeks is a long time. Yeah, we I, I went and saw Plymouth Parkway yesterday, so I, I had to get my football fix somewhere. So um, yeah. I went and saw the local team, Oscar Halls, who's um, the uh, Argyle teenage defender. He's on on loan at Parkway. Adam Parks was in goal for them, who was uh, obviously a backup goalkeeper for Argyle towards the end of last season as well. So yeah. uh, Michael Cooper was there watching Parkway. I don't know if he's was mates it? with oh, Adam Parks, but he was he was there as well. So yeah, there was. Um, yeah, quite a few sort of familiar faces that you might normally see at home park on a match day who uh, who were watching Parkway. So yeah, international break, but um, you've got to get your football fixed somehow, haven't you? Yeah. Well, let's wind it back to a time where we definitely did not have an international break. 2019, we've just been relegated to League Two against Scunthorpe, that 3-2 horror show. Well, it wasn't quite a horror show. We played quite well, but it was obviously a controversial moment. moment. Managerless. Ryan Lowe was on the radar. Chris, can you take us back to that summer? Yeah, well, I mean, we needn't dwell too much on the uh, the, the events that led to that relegation. But obviously, I think it was in March time. I think Argyle were mid-table and looked, you know, fairly fairly safe and secure. And, yep, and yep. I don't think any of us were really thinking too much of relegation. And then it just spiralled out, uh, out of control. I don't think anyone saw it coming. Um, looking back all these years, I, I can't say I, I was sat here thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I wasn't surprised that Argyle's season just fell away the way it did because I didn't see it coming, didn't expect it. But once they went on the roll, I think it was a game up at Blackpool where they conceded two very late goals yeah. and um, when they'd been in a comfortable position. And then you started thinking, oh, you know, but um, obviously culminated in the Accrington game, which, you know, I've been fortunate enough to cover this football club for the Herald and Plymouth Live for 26 years now. And I think that Accrington one, uh, as a low, that probably was as... That or when they almost got relegated out of the Football League completely. But, you know, that Accrington game was an absolute shocker. Um, It led to Derek Adams losing his job after doing a fantastic job for three and a half years and then six Mm. months it all, all went wrong. And then we went into the summer off the back of a relegation. And I, I, I always remember Simon Hallett. 
um, was was sort of newly on the scene. Um, and I remember talking to him, it was before the Scunthorpe game, actually, um, about what the plan was for the future sort of thing. And um, he said that, that they were the, the club would be looking for a young, forward-thinking, modern manager. And... Um, and that was the way they went. Um, Andrew Parkinson started as chief executive officer on the Monday after the Scunthorpe game. And they put all their focus on looking for somebody like that. And um, it was always going to be interesting to see where they went because that seemed to rule out a lot of the the tried and tested sort of people that always get thrown into managerial jobs in, in for a League Two club. So it was that summer was always going to be interesting to see, okay, you say you want a young, modern, forward-thinking manager. Well, let's let's see who you come up with. Yeah, and Ryan Lowe's name came up pretty early on, didn't it? Yes, it was. um, I think it was fairly early on. It wasn't a deal that got sorted particularly easy. I think there was a few issues with Berry, and and obviously Berry was a a basket case club at the time, and I think that that delayed things longer than it might have done. Seem to remember it was about early June when was when Ryan was was appointed. Um, mm. if, if my memory serves me right, yeah, no, I so think you're about, right. a month, about a month probably from the end of the season to him being appointed. Yeah, but it certainly felt like a drawn out process. Um, Tom, I'll come to you as our fan or one of our fans in the in the in the call today. I mean, for me, it felt it felt really exciting having um, Ryan Lowe being appointed for the first time in probably quite some time. Maybe even going back to Holloway, where you were genuinely excited about a managerial appointment. What was your feelings on it at the time? We'd heard rumours, didn't we, that he'd been playing out from the back, which sounded very sexy, you know, because not many people were doing that, certainly not at League Two level. Um, and, uh, yeah, Barry had been promoted, hadn't they? Even though they'd been in a lot of trouble, he actually got them promoted. Um, very exciting. Lots of clips of Danny Mayer and those players kicking around. So, um, yeah. And it certainly fit the bill, and he was an attacker himself. So I think um, in that split second, you think, oh, good, attacking football. Um, obviously, I think we learned a bit more about him and the team and the players he brought with him as we went on. But at the time, it was certainly exciting. Um, it looked like we'd, um, you know, we'd done well, hadn't we? Because, you know, if Berry weren't uh, bankrupt at the time, I think it would have been... Um, a bit harder to get them. Not saying we probably wouldn't have had some kind of pull because we're a big club at that level. But yeah, I can remember being excited and Ryan was the figurehead of that team at the time. And I think as fans, you assume that uh, a lot of the input is down to the leader of that team. I think we, where you don't know much about a club, you have a an unconscious uh, bias towards the inputs of the manager. Um, so it's certainly an exciting time. Um, that's my recollection at the time, Archie. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember reading these articles and all these arrows and lines and these big tactical analysis of Barry, and it was kind of, it was becoming a thing, lower league football being analysed to such a level, and it felt so exciting that Argyle were going to be part of that, you know? So I was thrilled, personally. And then we come to that press conference, so he's unveiled, we come to that press conference, and he, he arrives with a bang, doesn't he, Chris? I mean, you would have been there with some huge statements some absolutely huge statements which i'd love to um ask him about now four years on saying he'll get ryan taylor to become a 20 goal uh goal scorer per season you'll have danny mayer's going to be better than limirez and Kerry combined or something like that which is let's say nonsense kindly um it, yeah for you chris it must have been a dream to be honest 
Yeah, I mean, it was at a time when the, the grandstand was was demolished and being rebuilt. So I think it was one of the few press conferences I've, or, or, or the only press conference I've been to see a new manager, which was held at the Manavan Sports Hub, because there was nowhere at Argyle where they could hold a press conference and invite media along to interview the new manager. So it was um, out of the Manadon Sports Hub. Um, yeah, remember it fairly well. He, he did make some big statements, but, you know, that's been Ryan's, um, you know, way of, of going about things throughout his career. It served him well. Um, the Ryan Taylor one, yeah, I don't think anyone thought realistically that he'd turn Ryan Taylor into a 20-goal-a-season striker, but never a bad thing for a new, um, new manager to go into a club and to try and raise spirits of people that are there, particularly coming off a relegation season, you know, show a bit of faith in somebody. Whether he deep down thought that uh, Ryan Taylor would score 20 goals next season, you know, probably not. But, um, you know, maybe that was an example of, you know, trying to motivate um, one of his new players almost from day one to try and, uh, you know, get him thinking positively about things. Because at that stage, Ryan wouldn't have had a clue about whether he'd be able to bring in any better strikers than Ryan Taylor, whether Ryan Taylor would even be able to fit into his side. I mean, we, with the benefit of the hindsight, looking at the way that Ryan Taylor, uh, Ryan Lowe played um, as Argyle manager, Ryan Taylor was never really going to fit into that, was he? But um, um, but that was a, I would suggest that was you know almost like an early case of motivation. Um, I think we'll probably touch on a couple of comments that Ryan made later on that. Um, He's being criticised for that I would um, defend him to a certain degree about what he said. Um, I don't think he did any Danny, Danny Meyer any favours at all with the comparisons, though, with uh, with Graham Carey and Ruben Ramirez, um, mm. particularly Graham Carey. Um, Ruben Ramirez had um, a good season and, and a half and, and what have you, but um, I, I think Graham Carey was one of the albeit in League One and League Two, but I, uh, he, he was one of the most exciting Argyle players I've seen in the time I've covered um, Argyle. Um, he was a match winner. Um, he scored lots of spectacular goals. He had lots of assists. He was exciting to watch. And, you know, that was a very big thing to say that, that Danny Meyer was going to um, be better and carry in Lamares or whatever. I can't remember the exact phrase, but it was something along those those yeah. lines, Archie. And, um I don't think he did Danny Mayer any favours because that stuck in the, the fans' minds. And and when Danny Mayer didn't get 14 goals a season like Graham Carey did, um, it was it was very easy for fans to say, well, you know, what were you talking about? I think if you um again, I should probably come on this later about what we what we learnt about Ryan as we went along and what we now to be attributable to perhaps to Stephen Schumacher is we needed a cheerleader at that time though, didn't we? We'd just been relegated. Um it was probably put into... I remember him um, using Argyle. I don't know why. Now it kind of it feels overkill, but he came in and referred to us as Argyle and not Plymouth. He'd very, clearly been briefed in the five seconds he'd been there. So go and say Argyle are this, Argyle are that. Um, so I, I'm with Chris in that uh, <laughs> from what we knew of Ryan before then and what we've learned of him since, you know, his, um, his gift of the gab is one of his greater skills. Um, but I think he'd probably been briefed to, to that effect as well to go out and um, get some bums on seats because the key to him being appointed, everybody wants to win. When you get a manager, you want to win, you know, coming up to League Two, ever we had uh, appointed, they were going to be wanting to get promoted, weren't they? But um, I always felt there was a bit of an, 
a, a backup plan with this one where he would put bums on seats um, more so than a manager that played less attractive football or spoke sort of more transactionally about the club. Yeah. I think I, the point I'd just quickly make, Archie, if you don't mind about that, and I, I agree with Tom, is that um, Argyle went into the start of that 2019-2020 season and it almost felt as though they'd been promoted the previous season, not relegated. Mm. You know, they went to Crew on the first day of the season. They sold out the the away stand at Crew. They won 3-0. They played, I remember, Salford on a Tuesday night. The ground, three-sided as it was at the time, was full. Ryan did Low did a brilliant PR marketing job for the club so that when they started that season, it re- th- there was a buzz about the place. Now, normally when you get relegated, and particularly after such a, a, an unnecessary relegation as they'd had, it, it was incredible that he was able to come in and give a feel-good factor about the place. Now, one of the ways he was doing that was because of the way he spoke. You know, he was praising Ryan Taylor as a potential player. He was praising Danny Mann. This is somebody you want to come and see and watch. And um, so looking back on it, yeah, was was that strictly accurate what he said? Um, but at the time, the, the, I mean, I don't know how you guys remember it, but I just remember feeling at the start of that season that it was actually quite positive at Argar, whereas three months earlier, they just had one of the worst relegations in the club's history. And to me, there's a couple of things on that. One going back to Derek is <clears throat> he gets remembered so much for those last five games, but actually worked miracles with a small budget. Um, but also, if we're talking about the personality of a manager, he was the polar opposite, right? Very, said very little and almost took a pleasure in being understated and dour. And I think if you roll that forward as we go through this with Ryan, how much is positivity, enthusiasm, personality works when you're winning? I think we should keep an eye on that. At the, the transition, Derek, which people now still talk about, we need a bit more Derek. And what we mean is, to Archie's point, don't give up a goal in the last 20 seconds. That doesn't happen in an Adams era. And I think as we roll through this conversation, how much is being outgoing, personality-driven, enthusiastic, does that put you at risk if results start going against you? Because people start saying, is this all talk? Sorry, Dan, Chris, talking on, talking on mute. I think you make a fantastic point. And also that summer was kind of the start of this new Argyle. I know it wasn't branded as that, but as Chris, Chris Arrington already mentioned with the new chief exec coming in, it was Simon Hallett's second season as, as chairman. It felt like a new Argyle. And he was the face of that. And it was, he was tasked, as Chris um, Errington, that <laughs> could be a long pod, uh, <laughs> said, as, as he said, he, um, he did that. He achieved his job. And he also achieved promotion, you know, to skip forward a few months, albeit the po- under the points per game system. Job done to a certain extent. However, he- yeah, sorry, go on, Chris. No, and he fitted the bill of what the club were looking for. As I said yep. to you at the yep. start, Archie, they wanted a young, modern, forward-thinking manager, and they went out and picked somebody who, as Tom rightly said, it, it was quite, you know, doing doing a really good job at Barry. Argyle might not have got him if Barry hadn't been in such a bad state. You know, he might well have. He had a very strong attachment to Barry. He still does. You know, in terms of them coming back up, hopefully through the ranks in the years to come. Um, but. And as as the other Chris said, you know, the 
Derek Adams' reign for three and a half years. I, I don't think people still give Derek quite enough credit for what he did in three and a half years because mm. he was, you know, there's, there's talk these days about Argyle's budget not being the biggest. But, you know, you look at the bu- the budget that Derek had to work with and for three and a half years, Argyle were, were doing really well. They got to Wembley one season. They got promoted the following seasons. Perhaps, you know, should have gone up as champions, but still went up. They got to seventh in League One in his third season. I mean, after three seasons, he, he looked like the greatest manager or one of the best managers Argyle had ever had. And then the final five, six games, it all fell apart. And um, I just remember it being, you know, just people just couldn't believe what had happened. And I, I go back to the point that I think they needed somebody like Ryan Lowe to come in and give it that boost of positivity, optimism, that a lot of clubs that get relegated don't have and um you know that, that at the end of his first season and okay it was shortened because of covid and it was points per game but in his first season at the club he he got them promoted and and, and any promotion and especially out of league two when it can be such a scrappy horrible thing to get out of it, it, you know he did a brilliant job in that first season and chris just on that to avoid the chris and chris <laughs> um Difficult question because it was COVID season, but did you get any sense of how important his assistant was that year? No, did because you, we did you did you have any visibility to that? No, we didn't really see Shuri very much at all. Um, I remember um, sitting down and having quite a long chat with him in the Green Taverners um, one day uh, because I hadn't really seen a lot of him. I mean, I'd seen him, but not to really to talk to and get to get to know in any way. Ryan was very much front and centre when it came to dealing with the media. You know, some clubs you uh, see and, and, and at Argyle in the past, the manager doesn't always do the press conferences. The number two quite often pops up and uh, does them, you know, when the manager wants a bit of a break. But as far as I recall, you know, Ryan was always the man that did the presses on before matches, after matches and what have you. So I, I remember speaking to Shuri, um, you know, it, on a Tuesday when there was no midweek game and I had quite a long chat with him and, and I was interested to, 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 to listen to him. And, and, you know, he clearly enjoyed the coaching. I mean, he was, and, and that maybe made me think at the time that he was one of those that, you know, maybe might prefer being a career coach rather than necessarily wanting to, um, you know, become a manager. And of course the fact that he's got a media degree as well was interesting from my perspective because, you know, he understands, he's got a better understanding than a lot of football managers have about the sort of questions that he's going to get asked by people like me. So it was it was interesting to talk to him. Um, but I, in the few dealings I had with him, I never thought he would necessarily be the next Argyle manager. No, definitely. You know, it didn't, didn't come across to me like that. Yeah, we'll come on to that more in... In a bit, because that's really interesting that how, because I didn't see that coming, that Shuey would evolve into the man he is today, to the manager he is today. And I find that whole process fascinating. But just to kind of cap off that season, Tom, what would be your, four years on, what, what do you think, when you think back to that season, that promotion campaign, how do you feel Lowe did? How do you think Argyle did? Oh, I am with Chris in that any promote, you know, it's very hard to, take a negative out of promotion because we spent a lot of years trying to get out of that division. How many teams go straight back up, you know, some, but not all, you know, when you're that team where everybody makes it your cup final, it can be quite tough. It had its moments, didn't it? Which of, of, um, hollowness 
which to an extent still exists today um at very very rare occasions I, and i go back to the four nil defeat at exeter um i always find it hard when we're sort of neck and neck with exeter because it's a bit of a um gauge of, of where we're at because on on stature we should be well ahead of them although obviously it's enjoyable to play them but Exeter always seem to punch above their weight as a club and have done since they returned to the Football League um it it could have been very different couldn't it I mean that's why we've got to look at it and just take it because I think it was something like was our game our game against Grimsby went ahead and theirs was cancelled and 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 if it hadn't the averages would have flipped round or something and Exeter had a horrid time in the playoffs um I'm just grateful we did it. It was patchy at times. I'm calling Jeff Cott back, which at the time, you know, is a stroke of genius. There's another way of looking at it. Thank goodness me, go and get a player who's out on loan in, you know, amateur football somewhere because we can't score any goals. Um, you got to take it. There was a lot of good things. And like Chris said, I think we got a... Um, we got a lot of, uh, you know, he did a lot of PR well and the feeling in the club was good. But um, I think actually the season ending when it did probably did us a favour because um, it just seemed to go a little downhill from that. But we're, you know, we're a big club in a league we didn't want to be in. So we're going to be impatient and uh, mm. stroppy when we uh, lose games. Look, I, I can't I can't mark down a promotion, um, Archie. But, you know, I thought we did well considering actually in, in hindsight, you know, we bought we didn't do anything too scientific, did we? Because we bought a lot of his players from Berry and tried to shoehorn them into our team. We bought George Cooper and things like that. Um, it did a job and we got up, thankfully, and that you can't, you know, job done in that sense. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it wasn't, um, I mean, it's hard to say what, what that meant for the following season because, you know, it, it's a, you know, Chris will say he's been doing is it 26, 20, 27 years you've been doing it, Chris. I mean, that off season was like no other, was it? Because um, going into League One, because there was no prep, no real idea what was going on. How could you sign any players or prepare yourself for the following year? No money. I think that you mentioned Luke Jeffcott there, Tom, and um, you know, could you could view that as well? That was perhaps a bit of a, 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 a not a last throw of the dice, but a bit of a sort of desperate move to bring back somebody from. From Truro, who Ryan hadn't been particularly impressed with in the in the summer after he, after he took over, he felt that Luke wasn't fit enough and wasn't pleased with his fitness levels, and that was one of the reasons why he was sent out to Truro to to play games and, and work on his fitness. But if you look at that January window, he brought back Luke Jeffcott, and of course he signed Ryan Hardy as well um, on loan. And um, you look at the way those two players, and it didn't work out for Luke in the end, but. At the start of the Ryan Lowe journey, Luke, Luke Jeffcott was a really key player, wasn't he? So if you look at that first transfer window in that January and say that, that Ryan Lowe brought, got uh, Luke Jeffcott back to the club and scoring goals, I think he got seven goals, didn't he, between then and uh, the end of the early season. And he brought in Ryan Hardy on loan and, and look, we're still reaping the benefits of that. That, that January was, um, was quite important when you look at it in terms of Argyle's next few years because... Jeff, Jeff Cott, I think, was the top scorer of the following season. And then Hardy's been the top scorer for the two, two seasons yet then. So, um, yeah, again, that's another thing perhaps I would say is a, a tick in the box of Ryan, uh, Ryan Lowe that he brought effectively brought those two players to the club in January and, and look at the impact they had over the next two or three years. And, and in Ryan Hardy's case, continue to do so. There's a lot of Ryans in this, isn't there? 
<laughs> yeah, a lot of Ryan's, a lot of Chris's. Absolutely. Me to be Ryan. I'll be Ryan for this call. <laughs> okay, well let's let's we'll skim over the next season. It was a bizarre season behind closed doors. We stayed up with uh, six points to spare. Yeah, yeah, enough said. I think a really odd season for many many reasons. Then we find ourselves the season after the crowds are allowed back in the stadium stadiums rather around the country normalities kind of resuming and we're flying Argyle are absolutely flying Chris not Errington how were you were you buzzing at that time I think it was an existential season um it was bigger than football I think everybody was reminded in that off season I think a what football meant to them I think b what participating in football meant to them I think once once it's taken away from you in its entirety and then it comes back in this weird format with no fans, forget the results for a minute. I think that was a huge year and I think that kicks on now. Um, as you all know, not a statistician, but I think the biggest impact of that season that wasn't is it reminded all of us how important it is. And again, for Chris, like as a social glue in Plymouth as well, I think the results have helped, but it was a big reminder of what the club means in terms of the city footballs a lot of football certainly outside the premier league is about community isn't it it's why fans and and people you know go along it's that sense of community that sense of gathering it's that sense of you know us against the rest of the world and and that's why we we all love football i think and um i'll always remember the first game of that season um luke jeffcott scored the winning goal at home park on the opening day of the season i think it was about the 88th 89th minute and and home park wasn't full that day because obviously the crowds weren't you know as they are now but the noise that day but that was i think it was like about 10 or 11,000 people there and then that, that day but that was 10 and 11,000 people just sort of getting rid of all that emotion and that however you want to describe what we've gone through during the covid lockdowns and things that luke jeffcott goal was that release wherever and the noise was amazing that day it, it sticks in my head that noise when he, he scored in the uh at the devonport end it, it, it was great it was uh um yeah it was great to have argyle and football back wasn't it yeah i rolled forward that we beat sheffield wednesday I, I don't know the exact dates but not long after that uh, Chris, we've had um, yeah September uh, time. Good time against, yeah, yeah, we've had a good time against them recently, and that felt like there could be something here rather than I. That was one of those moments I always go back and think, oh, I think we could be in the top half of the table here. This is going well. It felt like a party. Mm-hmm. Actually, I go further on the, the game twelve months after that. And this is Shuey in charge. Then I actually think, oh, that that tells me we're going to be, you know, we're title contenders. But I do go back to that first Sheffield, the three nil. And um, Ryan Lowe's sort of culture of football benefits from a response from the crowd, doesn't it? Fortunately, we didn't have a situation where it, other you know, bar that Exeter away game, which unfortunately was at. Um, I've not seen it um, where it's when it's been a negative currency that connection with the fans and the players, um, and it just seemed to snowball from there. Really, the club was feeling good. Yeah, okay, we'd had a sort of a pause, football had had a pause from, uh, in, in that respect for 12 months plus. Um, but we were feeling really good. I wouldn't go as far as invincible, um, but um, 
you know, crowds were starting to get bigger, weren't they? Because we're playing well. The manager says we're going to beat everybody. We feel like we're going to beat everybody, um, or at least give them a good game. And that ran all the way until about that, uh, not winter, but sort of November time. We had a couple of defeats just to give us a reality check. But his stock seemed really, really high at that point. Yeah, and there was all the fist pumping in front of the Devonport. You know, again, we're looking at that relationship building. Um, excitement is building. You're starting to think, you know, are we going to get promoted? You know, I'd flown across from Leipzig to go to the, that Bolton game, the one where the heavens opened. And it was, I mean, apart from the atrocious weather, you know, it was genuinely exciting. I mean, I was thrilled to be back in the stadium. But you remember leaving that ground, and apart from being absolutely soaked, <laughs> being really excited as to what was to come, you know, and you could feel it. You could feel it around the ground online and you were really starting to wonder. And then we forward wind one or two months. Our goal beat Rochdale away after, like you say, Tom, a few, well, not even dodgy results. I think there was a late late loss to Wigan, wasn't there, at home. One or two results on the bounce that didn't fall our way. We, we were in fourth spot and... Um, well, we all know what happens next. And that's what we'll dive into in part two as we take a quick break now and then we'll look at what happened as Low jumped ship and headed up north to Preston. Back in a bit. Okay, so let's go back to that December afternoon. We've just beaten Rochdale. We're through to the FA Cup third round. Things are possibly looking up, but in that evening, rumours are spreading. The following morning, Frank McAvoy is sacked as Preston manager and the the rumours, they thicken, they intensify and the Green Army were, were panicking at this point. Chris, can I take you back, Chris Errington, can I take you back to that Monday? When is, Can you remember where you were and was there a point where you're starting to think this might actually be happening? Well, on the Monday, um, it, it came, started to come out on social media fairly early on the day from sort of reasonably reliable sources and um, pretty soon it was evident that there was something to it. Um, One of the skills in the modern media age, I think, is to try and sort of sift out all the, uh, it's a bit like gold mining when when you're looking through social media, isn't it? There's some nuggets and there's some bits of truth in there, but there's an awful lot of other stuff that you need to sift out and the trick is to know when you've found a nugget rather than you know listening to all the the rubbish that goes on there and there was a there was a couple of reasonably reliable sources that were suggesting that that Ryan and Preston was a goer um looking back on it now um and I've said this to a few people but I remember after the game against Rochdale um Luke Jeffcott got a late winning goal Argyle had gone through and spoke to Ryan Lowe on the side of the pitch as we normally did with the media. And um, I'd like to think I, I got on well with Ryan. We had a good good working relationship, a couple of little disagreements we had along the way, but generally was good. Um, but normally you'd finish the end of the interview and off he'd go. Um, and I do remember that that day after the Rochdale game, he, he shook my hand. And I never thought anything of it at the time. Um but I have wondered ever since. I wonder if that was him saying, without saying it, you know, goodbye. Um, now, I, I've never asked him. I had the chance to ask him that. So I don't know if that was the case or not. But when the rumours started coming out on the Monday, uh, and then with that sort of suddenly crop up, cropping up in my mind, it, it it seemed from quite early on that 
there was definitely something something to it. It wasn't going to be just a uh, a random story that popped up and then disappeared a few hours later. Yeah, looking back to that interview, I think it was with the official channel, not with yourself. He did uh, he did seem a bit subdued, and I know now with the context we have, knowing that he's about to leave twenty less than twenty four hours later, it's hard to look at it objectively but he did seem subdued for a man that's just got his team through to the FA Cup third round albeit he didn't with a late up. winning goal or having come from Bar- yeah you know yeah normally yeah. he'd have been really pumped about it yeah yeah so who who knows and we've never I don't think there's anything been released or theorized or what you know what the events were that evening but who knows it seems it seems like possibly he knew something we didn't um Chris in Miami as a fan, we've had we we're just talking about all that um, excitement we've had in the in the months leading up to that game. You know, we're in the top four, through to the FA Cup third round, crowds are back. We've got a manager we're kind of possibly falling in love with to a, to an extent. How are you feeling when you're reading those rumours? I think I don't know whether this is a benefit or a curse. But the way I always look at times like this is sport is the only place in the world where someone can do well in a job, get offered a new job or more money at a higher level, and it turns them into some kind of weird pariah that everyone detests. Like, it's so weird. Like, imagine if I'm just thinking if in my job, one of my colleagues sort of went to work for somebody else and I just went on social media and started, like, destroying their character. It's... I think it's a sign of how disappointed people were. But if I've got a talent in life, I don't think I do, my wife would agree, but it's sort of like, that's the way things go. Um, If you've got someone successful who's doing a good job, it's likely that they will leave. Now, the manner of that departure varies by individual, but always my view, and I hate to say it, that that. I'm sure will happen to us at some point in the future. And I think we should always look at it through that lens. If you generate success and you have success, we are in a pyramid, which means you always have vultures circling above. That said, mate, you were furious. Absolutely. <laughs> Dead to me. Dead to me. No, there was a shock at the time. And, and I don't want to get ahead, but what I will say is the old Argyle came out in me when it was we're appointing the number two. You know, 40 years of, we're doing what? What's that? Like, have we got any ambition? There must be no plan. That feels a little desperate. I was very guilty of that when the announcement was made. And I'm so glad I was wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Shuey, as Chris has touched on, he was quite an understated individual. I don't think many of us really, really knew like who we don't know who he was, but his personality is quite a quiet, softly spoken bloke. And I wasn't sure what to make of it. To be honest, as a fan, you're kind of taking it all in and lots going on in the space of 24 hours and you're thinking, okay. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the football fan in you think that's not a very flash appointment. Tom, what, what were your opinions at the time of Shui's appointment? Well, we'd already had, I mean, you know, now, um, we've said this a few times on the pod, haven't we, that um, uh, two years on, the decision-making top to bottom in the club is so good, it makes um, any doubt of any decision they make almost futile. Um, but it all seemed to happen rather quickly. Obviously, we didn't really see a huge amount 
um, it was all done behind closed doors within a short space of time. But I think Simon said publicly since that it was a very quick decision and they'd seen enough in Shui to want to do that. I don't think they felt they had to do it. Um, so the fact that they'd done that very quickly, I took the opposite to what Chris Allen um, just said in that, oh, wow, okay. You know, they, we didn't need to do that. We were a good club. We had a lot to sell. The uh, We would attract a lot of CVs. And again, I just had a gut feel that the, the, the decision-making seemed pretty sound um, and they wouldn't have to have done that desperately. So I took comfort from it. Um, but again, uh, we didn't know a lot about Shui at the time because I think like Chris Errington just said, Ryan used to um, not delegate the media duties. He used to hog those. Um, there's probably something in that. But um, yeah, I took the opposite from it. I'm, you know, I'm a Plymouth Argyle fan, so um, I suppose in my DNA I had some doubt. Um, but yeah, I, um, I I was okay with it. Intrigued. It was very exciting. It all turned around really quickly. We had a game about two days later, and this all happened in that time. I don't know. This is a good time for Chris Errington to give. So, yeah, I was going to say, Tom, just as a bridge to Chris, because you mentioned social media earlier. I may be wrong. I seem to remember we didn't announce low leaving. We just, the, the announcement was Plymouth Argyle are delighted to point Stephen Schumacher, which, again, a bit like your handshake comment, in hindsight was really, really clever. Like, there was a statement in there around the future that, because the normal one is the club has, you know, mutually agreed and we wish them the best. We kind of skipped that step. And I think that, in hindsight, that was very deliberate. If I remember rightly, um, Chris, I think it was before Preston had officially announced it. I think there was enough... Um, information out there to, to, for people to know what was going to happen or what had happened. But I think Argyle made the announcement about Stephen Schumacher being appointed as manager um, before Preston actually officially announced through their own channels that Ryan Lowe was their, their new manager. I remember on that day, there was a lot of speculation um, about whether Stephen Schumacher would be going with Ryan Lowe to Preston or not. And depending on who you read, there was talk that, yes, he is going to go with him and, and others were saying, no, he isn't. Um, on the the swift appointment of Stephen Schumacher, you know, on a couple of conversations I've had with Simon Hallett in the intervening time, they they had identified him a, a considerable time before Ryan Lowe left um, as somebody that they would, you know, if not almost certainly appoint, they would definitely look very closely at him. Um so uh, I think they moved swiftly because they didn't want to see him go to, to Preston with Ryan Lowe. They, they, they'd done their sort of due diligence in advance. Um, they thought that he was the right sort of fit for them. And um, they, they moved very swiftly. And you, you make a very valid point is that, again, two years down the line, if the same sort of scenario repeated itself, no one would question that, would they? Because the credits in the bank, the decisions that the club make uh, are nearly have nearly always proved to be the right ones. At the time, it was different because there was a lot of Argyle fans that were just thinking, oh, we've just got things going in the right direction. We've just <laughs> yep. made some progress. Yep. Long last. And then the last... Typical, typical Argyle. Here we go again, you know, same old Argyle sort of thing. So it's it's funny, isn't it? Looking... It's only two years ago, isn't it? You know, mm. But the, the the mentality of people towards the club is very different now to when it was 
when when Ryan left Lowe left to go to Preston in December 2021. So just less than two years and ago. And even Chris, what you've said on that, that we've become a bit of a role model for decision making, data driven management. No one else seems to have a succession plan in place. Like almost university when managers go, sometimes they've got somebody lined up, but there isn't, you know, even at the top level, there doesn't seem to be a, we've thought about what happens next. And I think that's something else that's in the culture of the club now. They're not just thinking in the moment they are, you know, there's a five-year plan, there's a succession plan, there is a bigger thinking than maybe in most mm-hmm. other clubs around the world. Um, just to, the club, sorry, Archie, carry, carry on. So just to wind back, Chris, to or someone said it, the point we said about Shuey being announced before Lowe, and this is kind of where the bad blood originates from, I would say. Between Lowe and possibly Argyle, and certainly between us, us being the fans, and him. I mean, Lowe went on record, record to say I hadn't even resigned, and they're announcing Shuey as manager. Shuey, of course, being his, not only assistant, but best mate. So if that's true, you can kind of see why he's a bit miffed. But the club moved very quickly. The club being Argyle, we moved really quickly. We didn't hang around. We appointed Shuey. And yeah. And then that's where the bad blood starts. And, you know, Lowe's unveiled at Preston North End. And he's coming out with, uh, how to put it, he's coming out with what sounds like sour grapes, if we're being honest. When it, I mean, I'll, Tom, I'll come to you as a fan. What was your perspective of, of that as Lowe is unveiled and he's coming out with statements, you know, they had no identity before me. They had crowds of 7,000, both of which, well, the identity is hard to say it's true or not true. The crowds of 7,000 is categorically not true. It was about 3K off. Um, yeah, what was your feeling of that? Because it all turned sour very quick. Oh, it, it felt like... Um, it felt like... Um... You know, divorce feels, didn't it? Um, and I'll bounce it very quick back to Chris Errington because that 48 hours between that game, Rochdale and uh, was it MK Dons, Shuey's first game? The events of that, and, and, you know, they still hold currency today, don't they? Um, in the songs Plymouth Argyle fans sing about Ryan. And it did sort of, um, you know, what have we learned? His mate was nicked from him. I assume Shuey would have gone to Preston with Ryan. It was sore. Um, he didn't like the timing of what we said. You know, I think there was a um, a bit of something in how the Shuey announcement was announced, like you said, where they didn't really acknowledge him. There was some very evident bad blood between the parties, which still holds today. Um, it felt like being caught in the middle as a fan base, probably as a media, I'll pass it back to Chris, caught in the middle of, of, a, of a lover's tiff because, Chris, I remember, you know, there was this piece where Ryan tried to reach out to you for presumably some kind of attempt to put his side of the story um, to it. Um, and yeah, look, it ends up with him giving that. I know that doesn't happen. I might, you might want to give some background to it. And he ends up going to Preston and his first comments on it are, you know, sour and he didn't manage the exit particularly well where I think he could have. And that has culminated in feeling which hasn't gone away and, you know, will be um, very evident when the sides play each other in a week's time. I think it all happened so quickly, didn't it? And emotions and, and feelings were probably raw or, you know, if there'd been a bit more time between things happening, it might have progressed the more usual route that you see when a manager leaves to go to a higher division club. Because I, I agree, you know, 
he was offered the chance to go up a level with more money and be closer to home. I mean, in terms of a job offer, it would have ticked all the all the boxes for him. Um, it did happen in a very short space of time. I, I I would imagine that he was fully expecting Stephen Schumacher to go up with him as assistant manager. So that might have been a little bit of a shock to the system that that um, instead of going up to him, he'd be staying at Argyle and and, and taking over from him. Um, you know, he mentioned uh, on the uh, official EFL podcast uh, the other day that, you know, he, he was hoping that sure he was going to drive his car up to Lancashire with some clothes, uh, um, you know, after moving to Preston. And in the end, um, he said he ended up taking a job in my car sort of thing. So I think it was it was something that he probably wasn't expecting. Um, and then in terms of his comments about Argyle, a lot of them um, were on Preston sort of media channels um, and having a little bit of an insight into the way that club media works these days. Um, you know, you're plonked down in front of a camera and it's all very professional and smart, isn't it? You know, all most clubs have their own in-house media teams and you see the clever interviews where they do with new signings and new managers. And as a manager in that situation that Ryan Lowe was at the time, um, what he was really saying was is intended for a Preston audience. And sometimes the things that you say in a particular interview might not have the same nuance if you were talking to a different audience. And I think that's maybe where Ryan Lowe fell foul of the Argyle fans a little bit because um, he, the the reaction that he had in front of the Devonport end after a win was was not made up. That was that was his passion and an enthusiasm. And even to this day, Argyle still go to the Devonport end and celebrate as a group in front of the Devonport end fans. And the manager is still very prominent in doing that. That never happened before Ryan Lowe. That's something that, that has happened since Ryan has been manager. So I think Argyle meant a lot to him, but he got offered a job at a higher higher division, closer to home, more money, he felt it was the right opportunity to take. Now, if he'd sat down with um, out of a, a, a club media interview, he might have said things in a slightly different tone. Could he have chosen some phrases better? I, I think if we all asked him now, you know, the bit about the Argyle lacking identity, I think he would admit that that probably wasn't strictly accurate. But at the time, he, he was... He was talking to his new fan base and wasn't perhaps necessarily thinking about, you know, I'm talking to the Green Army. That's that's the way I would look at it. That, um, and and you're right. I mean, it is when your manager leaves you, when you when everything's going really well, it is a bit like a divorce, isn't it? And everyone is going to be a little bit emotionally raw about things. And um, there was probably never going to be an easy way for it necessarily to go because no one wants to see their manager leave when they're doing really well. I always say, guys, there's two problems with a manager. You either have the good problem, which is that he's doing a good job and almost inevitably somebody higher up the chain will will take him off you at some stage. And there's never going to be a good time when that happens. The other problem you have with managers, and it's the bad problem and the one you don't want, is that they're not very good. They're not getting results. Nobody else wants him. And then you end up having to sack him. So that's normally the way managers leave a club. And Ryan left because 
Argyle were top of the table or almost almost exactly at the top of the table. So no one wanted it to happen, but. I think Chris Allen said, you know, we're in a we're in a sort of pecking order, a food chain, aren't we? And and at some point in time, if you've got somebody who's doing really well, they're going to get poached by somebody higher up. And Archie, just one just one more thing on that. And from what you said, Tom, as well, it still resonates to this day. So I read Chris one of your articles in the week. I think we all did, which was him talking about this game, and. The bit that gets highlighted in that is him saying they're a great little club, right? Mm. But the the 98% of the rest of it was how good a time, how well that club is doing, how well he learned from it. Shiri is still a friend, Mm. but maybe he he does or maybe doesn't lack a little bit of media savvy because everyone is going to pick up on great little club. And I think if any of us know Scousers, that's a kind of... I don't think he means little club. I I, I think think it's a turn of phrase, but he either deliberately or otherwise will get a lot of coverage for how he speaks. I think a, a good little club means a good club. You know, it's it's not meant... I, I don't... I didn't read it as small, little, small. But it's, you know, we all have terminology that we use that, you know, can perhaps have two meanings. Yeah, I mean, I think there's only one meaning of Plymouth Argyle had no identity until I turned up. I think that can only be um, understood in one way, if we're being honest. Yeah, and I th- and that, they, and I and that you... they were at they were at rock bottom when I arrived. It, all, I mean, I hear what you. I think you could have easily tweaked that, and it become it comes across in an entirely different manner. Um, yeah. And like you say, Chris, I think a bit of media training or a bit of media savviness would have gone a long way. Because he, he, I'm he, not sure. I'm not sure it's not deliberate because we we talked about this when he came into us. It's kind of bombast and positivity and almost like going back to the Wenger days, it's like you're kind of building a them and us. Yeah. And I think it might be part of that. I don't think, I'm not critical of it. I don't think you can the, be the lack critical of, of how identity, built that for us. The lack of yeah. identity was definitely not the right choice. Um, yeah. A good little club thing from last week, I, I haven't got a problem with that. Yeah, lack of identity. Argyle have had a, a lack of a lot of things over the years, as you guys well know. Um, but I don't think you could ever say that Argyle have ever lacked an identity. No, I mean, I we've we'll wrap it up here at least this section. What is for sure, he came in in 2019, and it was very much a kind of new Argyle, new era, new new chairman ish, one year in, new chief exec, new manager, new strategy. The five year plan was announced. So he in a, in a in a way he's not wrong, you know. I think it's again, it's just about the terminology, the phrasing of words that he used in that statement, which um as us discussing it on a podcast two and a half years later. <laughs> okay, at this, at this point, we'll take a break. And then when we return, we're going to discuss how he's done at Preston, how we've done without him, as we build up to that big game at Deepdale in just over a week's time. In just under a week's time, is that what I meant to say? Okay, there you have it, the end of part one. In a few days, we'll release part two, where we're joined by a few journalists from Preston North End who will give us their perspective on all things North End and how Lowe has done in his time up there. And we'll preview that match at Deepdale. Until then, thanks for listening.